Roman, we just bought this many of the death of Superman in the bag. I've heard it's going to be a real money wow. maker. Yeah. It would be really fun to, you know, do a gimmick one day where everybody gets a copy of death of Superman in their bag when they make a purchase or something. <laughs> and here's oh, yeah, your complimentary got, death of Superman. We got like three or four copies in that collection we bought today too. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to get my last little sleep out of me here. <laughs> Acceptable podcast episode 220 um two two party time excellent you know exactly <laughs> what it is you know what it do 220 live from modesto beach no, no, on no, no. the coast no. of southeastern ohio exactly modesto beach in southeastern ohio we can all go to modesto beach in southeastern ohio we're on Mode we're on modesto beach street in newark I love that. I love that. 220. It's a comic book podcast where we get a bunch of comic books. We all run a comic shop together. It's one of our favorite things that we do. I'm Jeff. I'm Jeff. Django here. Roman here. And I'm very excited uh, for just a whole smattering of reasons. But Django, you have been under your Zoom quota for the last yeah, month. I know. And I, I did... What did we do the other day? We did some Zoom thing together. Yeah. And I realized like Batman in quarantine. I think. Yeah, it was the Batman in quarantine. I realized just how much fun I have on Zoom. Yeah. And me too. scheduling has kept me off, but man, it's life is not the same without hanging out with you guys. I I totally agree. I was very much looking forward to this today. Roman, thank you so much for holding this place together last week with Andrew. Oh, well, well, thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. That was Andrew who held it together. I, you I guys, just... <laughs> you both did amazingly. Andrew, um, so proud of you. Andrew is better at my job than I am. So <laughs> like good, good work, Andrew. That sounded fantastic. And you guys did great. And I listened to the whole thing. The Andrew Roman team was like, you know, that that epoxy that comes in separate tubes, because if it ever touches, it binds instantly and forever. I've never understood why, but I can recognize the tubes. Yeah. Andrew <laughs> is like like the, the one that is a little more opaque and doesn't smell acrid. And Roman is the totally clear acrid one. Acrid one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very happy that I'm, I'm the more acrid one. You know, you I, know. I, yeah, yeah. Accurate Statler. <laughs> but in all seriousness, that was really, really cool. And it warmed my heart to hear other people doing our show as well as we do our show. So it was I, I just pray that the uh, our German foreign exchange student, or was he the French guy? The French guy never listens to this podcast because he'll just hear us say, Schlee. Oh, yeah. Ridiculing this guy that I knew for two months in junior high. Yeah, the Schlee guy. Schlee yeah. Guy. Oh, so yeah, Roman, please. Where is he now? I, I, we, we Where is Schlee? 
now. Yeah, where is Schlie? We I have no idea. We I have no have... idea. I can't even remember if he was the French exchange student or the German exchange student. He's oh, a man. shepherd now. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if somehow Schlie got a hold of us and like was a guest star? Like <laughs> or for the wanted a cut of all of this money we've been rolling oh. around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want I want 30% of your Schlie shirts. <laughs> Here's a death of Superman issue. <laughs> Those are valuable. I'll give you a spawn number one if you never call me again. <laughs> Hey, this week we're going to be talking about some fun books, but also some books that are here to make you work for it. You know, yeah. nose to the grindstone, smell on the asphalt, right? You, you read Destiny New York, huh? I did. Oh, I forgot. I that to. was just I, low hanging fruit. I didn't read it. I, I <laughs> did you, Roman? No, I cracked it open and saw too many words and didn't read it. Roman had his nose in the air earlier. We were like talking about the books we could talk about. And, you know, like Django mentioned one final book. And Roman's like, that's the only one that's been mentioned so far that I haven't read. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. You're I read two comics at a time. My name's Roman Statler. I, I haven't even read the other history of the DC Universe yet this week. That's how behind I am. That's I read that one family. two times. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can talk about it for me then. I will. Roman liked Good. it. Good. Um, no, on the topic of the things that we did read that we're going to talk about, I just cannot fudging wait, you guys. This is going to be so much fun. Um, Are we not saying fuck anymore? No, we're not saying fuck anymore. Um, no, no blue humor, no curse words. Cuck is um, up too, probably. Are we just that? not using anything that ends in uck? Like no fuck, no cuck, no truck? Are we doing truck still? Truck is good. Trudge. Luck is an idea that can. Ludge. Luck is an idea we can talk about, but I don't want to talk about anyone having luck. Fortune. I don't want to hear luck of the Irish. I don't want to hear lucky, but, you know, there can be a lucky feel. That's as far as I'll okay. go with that word. Okay. So truck and luck. And luck is the sort of the why of the vowel camp here. Mm. Truck and sometimes luck. Mm. Um, and sometimes muck because there was an issue of man thing this week. That's true. And always fine if, if you're talking about the Pokemon muck because it's spelled M-U-K. Oh. And that's a different spelling. Mm, um, like a tuck tuck is probably good. No, absolutely not. <laughs> what did I say about blue humor? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to be I'll talking about some B-O-O-K-S here. Uh, Beta Ray Bill. For Beta Ray Bill for Getty. Uh, number one. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about X-Men 19. Then we're going to go, we're going to put our our crowns on and sit on the throne of kings and talk about Strange Adventures number nine and Batman Catwoman because they're both written by Tom King. Oh, I get um, it. Then we're going to talk about Department of Truth number seven. 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 Such a great team. Witch Blood number one. Django's got a little bit to share with, Django's got a little bit to share with us from the underside of the rock. And and then I've got a, a, an issue that I'm going to throw in here at some point that um, I think will be fun and it might become a new feature. Um, Underside of the rock. You know, you're like you're turning over stones that many people don't turn under. You know, you, you're seeing things that many people don't see because they yeah. don't look beneath the surface. Huh. I, I, I'm with you. I was just spelling rock in my head and I was like, are you CK? No, it's no, not. That's it's not. Yeah, it's it's, it's yeah. cleared. What you just spelled oh. was uh, the Ruck, which is one of those powerful pieces in a chess game. Welcome to the Ruck. Welcome to the Ruck. 
That's right. It's a comics <laughs> podcast. Um, and we're here to talk about them. We're here to talk about those comics. And I'm pretty excited to talk about Beta Ray Bill Forgetty by Daniel Warren Johnson, written and drawn, and then color artist Mike Spicer. Your favorite horse faced friend is here to sail the astral, the celestial plane from Asgard to Midgard um and all the places in between all the bars between all the bars between and you might even get to see that horse you might even get to see that horse make love (laughs) at some point in this series but we don't see it in this issue (laughs) guys what i thought beta ray bill number one by dwj uh which reminded me i got a call from a jehovah's witness person while we were sorting (laughs) comics today and it was really bizarre. They got my number and they wouldn't stop talking. And they were like, is this Justin or Jeff? And I was like, did Justin give my number to a Jehovah's Witness person to get out of a Jehovah's Witness phone call? Was my thought. Um, wow, I didn't know they ever called you. Weird. Yeah. Oh, they're changing don't, things. How, don't give your number out. How, how long was the I want to hear more about that. How long was it the was, conversation? Jeff was so nice to this old man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was an old man. Oh, yeah, be, um, no, he tough. was like... He was like your age, but not with it. Like, <laughs> you know, like 36, 36 was senile. 36 to 70. <laughs> like, I'm just, guy, there's so much bad news. I just wanted to give you some good news. You should go to jw.org. And I was like, the, who am I talking to? After and he's like, oh, Mike. And I was like, okay, is this a Jehovah's Witness thing? And he was like, it sure is. I was like, okay. I think Beta Ray Bill did a really good job of spinning out of an event, right? King in Black, which I even made a passing comment to Braden on Tuesday. I was like, they are still putting out King in Black tie-ins because I firmly thought that event was over. Is the, was is the series over? No. No, there's still another issue for it. <laughs> but yeah, I for sure. some reason, we both thought it was over. Yeah, yeah. You know, it feels a little bit like the second half of absolute carnage which did in i don't know it's all or like a venom i don't know but um yeah i love that it it started because noel has taken over uh fing fame foom and he came to bring the ruckus and beta ray bill starts fighting him and thor comes and just totally steals steals all of the thunder pun didn't mean to and (laughs) and then we just sort of like deal with Beta Ray Bill's kind of feelings about having a lot of the best parts of his life ruined by Thor. And he tries to like get in some of those horse humps with Sif, but he doesn't have the hammer anymore. So he can't turn into a not horsey band. So that scene was a pretty interesting scene. Yeah. And, and I never would have guessed from probably my favorite page in comics in a month the venomai or the nullified fin fang foom reaching down to grab beta ray bill in his his horsey glory i never would have guessed that my favorite part of this would be his horse feelings yeah that was the best moment of what's the crossover called king and black yeah yeah (laughs) that was the best moment of the whole crossover king and black funny Django. Um, I, I just <laughs> shut him down with the Bluck joke. I'm sorry. The, the horse feelings, like the, just like the shot of him looking up at his ship and, you know, getting ready to leave. Oh, yeah. Just that, like the feeling of like really being in someone's shadow and then, you know, not even being able to 
like it's not even just that he's in his shadow, but like Thor did kind of cavalierly break this thing that defined Beta Ray Bob O'Reilly's freedom, and and now he's like not able to not be horsey. I'm looking at this one shot here while Thor is going to talk to him right before he gets on his ship, mm-hmm. and the uh, Zipatone dots are really interesting because if you look at it, they're like extending far beyond the shoulder b- oh, ink yeah. barrier of the character, so it's like this kind of intentionally sloppy he's in a funk the yeah. zipatone show is funk i just yeah i was stunned at how much heart was in it which i shouldn't have been because dwj is so good at you know like murder falcon wonder woman dead earth like packing mm-hmm. and i haven't read extremity but what i've heard about that one is true as well of just packing huge emotional beats into these really action-filled issues do we have like uh, a great battle scene version of jeff lemire on the rise here yeah, you're right. He does kind of have a Jeff Lemire jankiness to him. Yeah, just like the the ability to get down to the sad bits of any any hero and also draw a Venom-style dragon like that is pretty impressive. I've never cared about Fin Fang Foom, and I got the same feeling from that panel. <laughs> Roman's Sorry, face. Roman. <laughs> like, it looked like you punched him in the jaw when you think like, his jaw actually went down like, oh. <laughs> How could you not care about Finn? Bang, boom. That shot gave me the same feeling that I get every time I see the Venom symbiote on a Tyrannosaurus Rex in Old Man Logan. Just like, whoa, this is awesome. The scene where like he is gathering all the troops and he like goes up to the tree and he like raises the axe. He's like soldiers of Asgard. Like that was when I was like, oh yeah, this. Daniel Warren Johnson, he just has can give me a DW chubby, you know, like he can he can just pull emotional and action beats in such a thematic cinematic way. Like it's uh, yeah, I love it. He there's so much gravitas to his scenes. Yeah, some of the actions. I mean, there's a scene where Fing Fing Foom is laughing and just the perspective on it as he bursts forward and he like tears one guy in half with his teeth. Um, He's attacking the Guardians. It's such an interesting, strange angle and so powerful. Yeah, his neck is so long. Yeah. Yeah, and just I I'm pretty invested in the beta ray bill Sif relationship. I know it's been around for a while, but I was like, I really I like him. I like her. And I, I just I like just like the the weirdness of that question. So like, you know, she's taken off his shirt and she's like, So how does this work? And it's like, oh yeah. It had that feeling of like being young and rolling around with somebody and be like, wait, I don't actually know what this is going to. I don't know what this is. Yeah, uh, I, I just really like the naivete of of that expressed there. Yeah, this issue kind of reminded me that his Federate Bill's horsey form isn't like the natural state of his his race. So I think he's the last one of his race because he basically has kind of the superman origin where his whole planet got destroyed but he was spared and they did a good job of like giving you a little bit of a beta ray bill origin on that first page which was i i didn't actually know on the on the intro page yeah yeah i i read that i don't always read the the setup pages from marvel um but i read this one and i was really glad that i did because it it set up some pretty important stuff it says turned him into a horse-like cyborg where Oh, just well, in that the intro page thing. I think that's the part oh. where he has Scuttlebutt as his okay. kind of assistant. 
Okay. Um, kind of like uh, Midnighter has like a computer Skeets. helping him out. Yeah, <laughs> Skeets. Uh, what did you guys think of like Sif's reaction is either kind of surface level and shallow and shitty or Beta Ray Bill like doesn't have a penis unless he's in person form. Well, also, how do you kiss a giant horse skull face? I don't know. He kisses pecs or something. He's yeah. got nice pecs. I mean, he doesn't have any lips, but you know, for that matter, they just never address that. How does how does he eat without it all yeah. falling out the side? <laughs> but like like him not being able to transform, being a deal breaker for Sif, just felt kind of like a like a shitty part of her character. And and maybe that's you know that, I, that's fine. But... I read it differently. I I read it like he was embarrassed that she had to ask it and then he kind of shied away because she says like so how does this work he's like well what do you mean he's she says like your humanoid form don't you change back at night like because she knows there is some difference of form but she right. just doesn't know the science of like he requires the hammer but just like her body language on the page where after he says no i i can't change back she like shrinks up and and says oh and apologizes and then he's like no I'm ugly as fuck. I'm out of here. I mean, I'm ugly as fudge. I'm out of here. I interpret it as like, oh, I, I feel a little awkward that I've othered your horse form. Like, I feel bad that you're un. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't, I didn't read anything negative about it. But I was, it's, I don't know. I, I, I like the two of them, so I didn't want to read something negative out of it. If that right. makes sense. So I, I right. may have twisted that one to. But let's okay. talk about this, this. I... Sorry, Roman. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I could see it either way. It did surprise me though, because. You know, apparently they've been in a relationship for a while now. So this felt kind of like something like this was the first time they've encountered this problem. But that couldn't be because he's been stuck this way for a while. We got a Daniel DWJ talking to Walter Simonson for three pages in the back is what I was going to say. I bet I bet you dug that, Roman. Yeah, it was cool. Simonson talking about um, his design. I want to hear him talk more about his design of uh, Bill, why he decided on to transform into like this kind of weird space horse guy <laughs> and um, i like the way he was did talk a little bit about there just like yeah no one's really ever gotten the sort of like the holes in his jowl correct you know like when he was talking <laughs> about like um yeah i do love that beta ray bill design you know you know the thing that uh stood out to me in that i didn't read the interview but looking at this shrunk down um walt simonson art of of Berta Ray Bill, there's like, it's super Eric Larson. Like Larson, Larson must have been influenced by this guy's art. Yeah. And then like just the big bit of page of Krakalactica. Yeah. Krakalactica. <laughs> I lo love that stuff. Yeah. yeah the, the, the sound effects are straight out of a Savage Dragon or vice, yeah. or vice versa. Versa. I give this. Oh, no, I can't do it first. Do Roman, it. Where, do where, it. No, coward. no, no. Go ahead. Go I ahead. have no idea. I have no idea what I'm even going to do. I haven't thought about it yet. I need to be guided <laughs> by the level hand of Roman Stachaj. <laughs> what are you going to give it, Romy? Oof, boy. Um, Gosh, can I? Oh, my God, I? Roman. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Either take I'm... it out or put it away. <laughs> I can't stand this, this gooseneck. pee already. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop a... Hey. A, a storm gooey on it oh <laughs> my god I just gotta, I mean, that, late at night oh that that double page spread of bitter uh geez fin fang foom that's a 10 right there oh yeah that's 10 fin fang. okay i'm gonna go nine and a half 
um it's it's really really i i you know i it's very good it could be a 10 but i can't i can't give it a 10 so i'm gonna go 9.5 i'm gonna say 9.5 on the richter rick richter oh no richter is uh, i think it's pronounced rectum right on the rectum scale 9.5 rectums yeah nine and a half like where rectums are good yeah no 100 of the time I had, a, I had an experience the other day where my my rectum was not good. But. No, the older I get, my rectal constitution is really disappointing um, on a lot of different levels. If you guys want to talk about Hemi's at some point, and I'm not talking about the engine, I'm ready. The road? The road, buddy. Hey, I'm uh, hopping in neutral and ride this road till it takes me to the coast. Rectum? I nearly lived forever in X-Men number 19. So Django, we were talking uh, on this week, and Roman likes it. <laughs> there was X Men on the table, and Django was like, "Am I going to read X Men?" And I was like, "I've been, I have drafted a text in my head where, like, I'm telling you, I don't think it's been good for a year now. Like, I don't think you need to. I don't, I don't know." Then I went home and read this on Tuesday night, and I was like, "I told Django he was probably clear to drop off." on the best issue that we've gotten of this series and i think over a year um and then fortuitously without conversation you ended up reading it anyway and you're the one who brought this issue to the table i i read it because you mentioned that it it was probably about the vault and Mm -hmm. i like that this series has been weird because we're 19 issues in and it's everything i've read has been kind of a one shot you know eventually they'll loop back to a follow-up but they've all been pretty well self-contained stories and mm-hmm. other than skipping i don't know i've probably skipped four or five issues from the from the run but i've enjoyed them enough but i think this is the best this, this is the best one from this series to me and i think maybe my favorite single issue from the hickman x-men like i i don't think there's a single issue in the house and powers that i liked more than this you know other other than some plot trickery but just as a like here's a story about this super shitty situation these superheroic heroes this is amazing yeah it it did just a really great job of telling a really interesting self-contained story in a single issue but then also telling it in an innovative way with all of the hickman like three-layered timeline like characters Mm -hmm. as you're following them through this i obviously love that yeah um and so i i just liked the competence of being able to tell this emotional story and then also do it in a way that was innovative uh the sort of emotional beat that we're talking about here is this is part two like the the previous issue was sort of them getting ready and going into this vault and it's a team of gosh it's laura um wolverine and sink and darwin who are excellent i don't really know about what we kind of learn in this issue is that all of them are able to sort of mirror either the powers of those around them or modify their powers. Um, yeah, like- I think Darwin can uh, adapt quickly. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like Doomsday, who's always evolving, constantly evolving to be better at, at whatever the situation is. And Sync can, can, can sync up their powers with the other characters. So that's why they sent these people in, because Laura basically can't die. Darwin can adapt to not die. And Sync can take her powers from their their powers. And yeah, and and this is they're in the world, which is this mechanized fake reality, essentially, that was created in Morrison's new X-Men and mm-hmm. then revisited in 
Rick Remender's Uncanny X-Force and is now this. So it's like one of my favorite sort of three-part writers who've done X-Men stuff. But time and, moves in a... Sorry, Roman, were you going to say something? I was just going to ask, Jeff, and for our listeners who might not know, so the vault was created by humans that are trying to evolve themselves artificially so that they're can match and be better than mutants is yeah, that how the vault works i don't exactly remember it's where phantom x was created mm-hmm. okay. and then that weird like weapon 11 or something like that guy in a costume that was in some earlier issues um is one of them but i i forget exactly like why it was created it was almost like uh like an acid trip when we went there with the new x-men right yeah it was it was yeah. very yeah, yeah exactly but what was so awesome is a massive amount of time spans while they're in this vault. Uh, and throughout it, is it Darwin that falls in love with Wolverine? Wolverine and Darwin have this like really deep emotional relationship. No, it's, Sorry, it's Sync. It's Sync. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Um, Wolverine and Sync have this relationship and they like save each other's lives at various times and are sort of with each other to the end of end of time in this place but uh then darwin and sink are both no wolverine and darwin are both killed and sink on this like final escape attempt and then sink makes it out and he's able to signal to the professor hey i've made it out and therefore the professor was able to back up his consciousness in that moment and then he gets killed but then the tragedy is that they bring them all back for, to life at the end, but only Sink's consciousness was backed up. So Wolverine and Darwin have no memory of what happened inside the vault. So there's this like amazing tragic love story here where this person has experienced hundreds of years with, of this loving relationship with somebody. And then now that their consciousness has been backed up, the other person doesn't remember any of it. And I'm just and like, sh- that is And they were not super tight beforehand initially because Laura's kind of a... a feral shithead so good <clears throat> yeah i i loved it i i as i was reading i was like all right you guys are just gonna ruin laura because she's this young character and if you think that you're gonna be able to bring her back uh, after living a hundred years or whatever in the vault have her be the same character or trust any other writer to understand that she's more than a hundred years old. Now you're, you're wrong. Right. And I was totally blindsided with the super simple mechanic of, Oh, nope. She, uh, reverts to her last backup. He's, he's got the perfect reset button. <laughs> he's got the perfect way to write any else world story he wants. Yeah. And put every, put all the toys back in the box seamlessly. It's amazing. But not having like sync still does remember it. I yeah. love that edition. Yeah. Roman, where you know where's your ice pack on my chest? I, I love this. Even though sync remembers that, he's not um, he's not despairing over it. That final panel with him, mm. and, and the, I love the coloring along the edge of his face. Yeah, and just he smiles about it, and you know he's hopeful. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was real nice. Well, that also wasn't uh, wasn't predictable. Uh, I remember when she was a butthead who hated me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so charming. Um, it's just, the, yeah, the, I don't know. You're right. He's not despairing, Roman. That that's that is a cool touch because I was just sort of hit by the tragedy of it. But I think it is kind of a nice note that he he isn't despairing about it. He's just happy that she's not dead. You know, the yeah. other thing about that is he comes back in his young body, right? So he's he's super old, but he's in his last backed up body, mm-hmm. which is 
a young dude living forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like the winter soldier sort of thing where he's still young, but he was reading Tolkien when it came out. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I just, I think that this, this sort of the mechanical structure of this story that he told is the kind of the closest to some elements of house and powers of X that I loved so much. These sort of Mm -hmm. the lives storing inside of other lives and stuff, you know, really, really cool. I would give this one a niner. I can give this one a 9.5 on the, on the Roman scale. scale. On the, yeah, nine rectums for me. I give it 95 years. 95 rectums. For the score inside the vault. Oh, you just got to move that decimal <laughs> place over one. Hey, I listened to a podcast the other day. Was it, it was... Roman and Andrew killing it? Yeah, I listened to that one, but then I listened to Roman and Jeff and Colette killing it. Oh. And probably my favorite part of that book was it's or of that episode is at some point, I don't even remember exactly why, Jeff called Roman. He just said, Okay, you pedantic butthole. And <laughs> that made me laugh so hard I almost drove off the road. <laughs> <laughs> When you mentioned that, you just texted me, you pedantic butthole. And I thought that that was a quote that Andrew said to Roman in the podcast they did together. So I was like, well, shit, I haven't finished that episode yet. Does he call him a pedantic butthole? And then for the rest of the episode, I kept looking for him to call him a pedantic butthole and it didn't happen. It came out of your mouth, anus. I wouldn't believe it. I I don't don't even remember it. Yeah. Do you guys want to go to King's Corner? Yeah, let's stop by the old King's Cake Corner. Good. You guys can hey, explain things to me. Tomorrow is Easter for us. Yeah. Right. We're time traveling a little bit. People aren't oh, going to yeah. hear this until yesterday was Easter. But um, tomorrow's Easter, which means we just wipe the Mardi Gras slate clean. No king cake. Hmm. No king of Mardi Gras. I never had a party after getting the baby out of that last king cake that we did on the podcast. Oh, you are on thin ice, bud. Okay, well, I got to have a party for everybody. So Strange Adventures number nine. Roman, is this the one that you've got questions about? Turn him on, dead man. Gotta, Sorry. Yeah, unmute. Um, let me see. I'm looking. I'm looking. I just read this this morning before work. Uh, Tom King, Mitch Garrett, Evan Shaner. Yeah, there, I probably have questions that will come up as we talk. I'm Yeah, I guess I'm curious what everyone thought about this. I... You know, both Batman and Catwoman and Strange Adventures I read on Tuesday, and I was like, those were both good, but they both were a little not quite satisfying. They didn't. Mm-hmm. And then I went back through them today and got more out of both of them, uh, which which is, I guess, a, a Tom King f- classic thing. It's King thing. Read his stuff two times. But yeah, I feel like in this one, we really, it almost like kind of answered a bunch of stuff. Like it was like, yeah, Adam Strange kind of committed some war crimes that in the name of war do happen. And it sort of seems to really be a conversation about how susceptible it doesn't really matter what somebody did. It matters how people are telling you about it. And in this one, mm-hmm. it's like, we don't want Tom, you know, Adam strange to be a bad guy and have committed these war crimes. And then they're like, Oh, we found out he committed these war crimes. But then the, you know, the Fox news people start being like, yeah, but you know what? I want somebody who's going to stand up for us in an alien invasion. And I want them to be. And they're like, yeah, me too. And it just becomes this weird, like, the truth doesn't mean anything. It's just the people speaking it are the ones that are making people believe. That was sort of the theme that I got out of this issue. Um, But it really kind of exposed a lot of the questions that have been going on, I felt. 
Well, yeah, like at the end of the last issue, the Picts, is it the Picts, um, invaded Earth. And so suddenly we have a very different perspective on the, the things that can happen because they they destroyed an entire city, right? Like they got, what city was it? They just, they just wiped out like Cleveland or something. Yeah, they, they, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that, but they fucked up the earth. There's that double page spread of them just like ruining a town in the previous issue. It was a fucking city. I mean, a, a yeah. fudging city. And it's like that, that gives the, I, I like your, your point that it kind of gives Fox news a totally different perspective on this. The other thing that I noticed is that we don't know for sure that that's Adam who's yeah. doing who's so what he does is he goes into a picked outpost and that's not an outpost that's a city. Is that their city so he goes no, into I'm just kidding I was just going back to that town city <laughs> distinction which doesn't exist in my mind they they uh it, I think it's got to be an outpost because they don't have cities there right like they're invaders <laughs> yeah, yeah. so this is this is their their headquarters and he goes in and lets some gas loose to chase them out of the front door where the rock <laughs> monsters who, who we met a couple that's no moon baby <laughs> that's a fart <laughs> that's a that's a star destroyer thing he chases them out and then the rock monsters who we met a couple issues ago just kind of open up the earth and kill them all and so it's like one part chemical warfare and one part just like poor form, like like mean battle tactics. Um, but we never see Adam's face. It's covered the whole time. It's we just covered see the his, whole time. It's like masks, like COVID masks. Yeah. Because yeah. his eyes are exposed. You know, just you and talking about it, Django, I, I remembered that, yeah, it, even more to that double standard of like newscasters or whatnot, like everyone on earth was ready to condemn Adam Strange for committing acts of war when those bad guys weren't attacking Earth. But as soon as they attack Earth, like it's that, you know, those who live in glass houses throw the like, it's just like, you don't you don't get to judge people if you're not at all exposed to the circumstances that cause them to create the actions that they're doing. So like, you as know, soon as it, your mom is dying of COVID, maybe you change well, your tune about masks. Yeah, you'll start wearing a fucking exactly. So like, yeah, Roman, you know, where are you on it? Um, I, well, I agree totally about the masking. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> that's good. I, I've forgotten also the previous issue with the city. Um, and I didn't get that it was the rock monsters or opening up the earth. Cause I reached that point. And I was like, how are the, how's Adam doing this? How's he causing an earthquake? Um, that's making a lot more sense to me. I'm really interested in how just Tom King, whatever he's saying here about the stress of being like this great planetary hero leading this fighting this war and doing what you have to do because in my mind well so far from what we've seen i don't disagree with anything adam has done i mean I, you know I, that's you, the challenging you, part yeah you fight to win and end things um mm -hmm. and then just you know and, and the stress that one of the flashbacks how like like the flashback with superman and how he's like you know i asked for your guys help i asked i begged you guys why didn't you do anything because look that's part of what put me in this position mm -hmm. and now you're punishing me for the position you put me in it's it's some really good questions <laughs> yeah i almost feel like there's a touch of cancel culture commentary going on like mm. 
like canceling Adam Strange without putting any energy or effort into understanding why or the circumstances around it. And then then, you know, realizing when you're in that circumstance that you are the same. Like, it's just this the the high horse that can you can be on when you're like, look at you over there committing wrongs, according to me. And then it's like, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I'm not you know, I'm disappointed in the Justice League in this series. I'm not disappointed in Adam. I'm curious about, you know, all the mystery around him, but. We do get some confirmation that like they say, like uh, she says, is Alana um, says in that news interview that like the Pix did murder his daughter. Mm -hmm. So that's a little clarification there. And then I guess the big mystery is in the final page here when he's like, don't worry, darling, we'll see her again, their daughter. There's a, there is another world. Like, what does that mean? What is yeah. that? Yeah, exactly. So you say talk about heaven, the afterlife, new Genesis. There yeah. aren't a ton of comics that I wish that I could hear the writer's inflection in. And Tom King will often hit a point where I'm like, God, I wish... I could hear you say. I wish I knew exactly how you were stressing your words in this. Um, yeah. And this this is this is one that really... I don't really want to say it suffered from that, but it it was affected by that quite a bit. I I think, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I think that's a really good point. I don't think of it as necessarily suffering, but I do consistently wish I could hear what his inflection is. Mm-hmm. At what point, like when he says bat and cat, you know, I want to know what it sounds like to him or when right. I break your damn back. I want to know what that repetition sounds like to him. And I think what I kind of like about that is that it sort of forces me to sort of roll the, the marbles around in my hand of like, okay, well, what is a bunch of different interpretations for pronunciation there? And right. I like, I like, you know, when a question's not answered, it forces me to contemplate answers. And I, I really enjoy that he does that. Yeah. And I would like to be more clear about exactly what it is the Justice League thinks that he did wrong, because I think that we can agree that human on human war should not include chemical warfare but the way that the picts were just kind of running roughshod over the planet and and the galaxy i don't know that a little bit of dirty fighting is a terrible thing yeah no i I agree but i I guess the justice league they probably got a pretty much a no murder stance right yeah yeah sure but fucking help him then i mean fudge and help him then i agree he was in a no-win situation yeah, especially because you have Wonder Woman and Aquaman on the team who are warriors that lead nations, then have has and they face these kind of decisions. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't and believe Aquaman Wonder kills would, fish. Yeah, and I can't believe Wonder Woman would condemn Adam Adam at all. Yeah, yeah. I give it an eight. It's a great issue. It's a great series, and I think it's all going to classically Tom King mean even more when it's done. Yeah, um, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Um, I'll go. I'll go eight and a half too. I just saw the back cover with the uh, the Obama style Adam Strange poster. Yeah, and then the other one has the wanted terrorist. You know. Oh, cool. It's great. I heard that Tom King and or sorry, Mitch Garrods and uh, Evan Shaner didn't talk to or share their character designs for these characters while working on this book like because they're both representing different scenes but they both came up with their own models for the characters and everything and and you know kind of intentionally didn't discuss it so they're each one had a very unique tone there's like when you hear stories about directors 
maybe being abusive on set in order to get a different mm -hmm. uh, acting bit out of somebody. Um, I love to hear about experimentation like that in comic books. Yeah. So cool. Batman and Cat... Wait, Roman, you gave your score? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Batman and Catwoman number four, you know, I... This one, again, it was a little hard to track. I had actually a hard time tracking the Strange Adventures issue as well, like things jumping around. Mm -hmm. This one... And then as soon as I gave it a look through again today, I was like, oh, yep, they've got the two timelines. These things make sense. And they're referencing and bouncing in this way. And, and it all makes sense. Uh, well, the one thing that doesn't make sense, we see Catwoman, you know, has to tell Batman, hey, Joker's got this bomb. And I thought that was a really great scene because I really liked the way that it showed Bruce's disappointment that they weren't going to go to this party. It's following up on the stuff in the last issue, but mm -hmm. Bruce and Cat are going to go to a party. Joker told Catwoman there's a bomb. She doesn't want to tell Bruce because then Bruce will be like, well, why are you talking to Joker and know this stuff? If she doesn't, people will die. So she tells him that. And I just love that he gets like disappointed, drops his tie on the ground. He's like, all right, I'm going to go be Batman. I guess this like perfectly just like, yeah, why the fuck was I trying to be a person? All I am is Batman. Like even in a relationship, like my partner, yeah. I have to go be Batman. And I just liked shining a light on his relationship with Batman in that way, like Bruce's relationship with it. Um, but then and his, and his yeah. relationship with her, like that almost seems like a hard thing for them to recover from even in the next eight issues, you know? Yeah. I think it's going to be, I think in the same way that like when you're in a relationship with somebody, you kind of have to make peace with their past and other people are just like, yeah, the past is the past. But for Batman, like, her past is an involvement with the people that he actively spends his life, you know, trying to stop. So I could mm -hmm. see, I like that question of, of the relationship there. Roman, what did you, what did you think on that one? I, I like that too. I was, I had a hard time tracking this one actually more than I did with strange adventures. Mm -hmm. Cause immediately after that, we flashed to a scene of cat and I don't Catwoman back at Wayne Manor um, when she's looking at that mouse and I wasn't sure if that was later that night or if that was a completely like a jump of years or what exactly that was when she goes down and phantasms in the in the bat cave. Yeah, I, I agree. That was that was like again, I had to kind of go back through this issue at the end and just kind of like see how it's two storylines woven together. And and yeah, my interpretation is like you said, I think that's later that night. Um she's laying there because she's in the Yeah, I mean yeah, I don't know. That that was my interest. She seems to be crying and then takes off her top and she's still yeah. in the outfit, but seemed to be and I, I it's it's so it's so well done. I mean, I don't want to see Batman and Catwoman. I don't want to see the relationship troubled and cracking and everything, but he sure does show that really well. <laughs> he does, and I, I I would like some time what's you know, those Clark and Lois and Batman and Catwoman at the fair issues. Like, give me some of those. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was Tom King, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in the back, like, that was the, yeah. And like, I, I like, but I would like to bask in the success of their relationship in a moment before it crumbles, you know? Um, is, is that, I, I don't mean to spend a lot of time on this, but that doesn't seem like the same night to me. And okay. I'll tell you why. It's yeah, because yeah. She, if it is, she moved to a different place because she's in a shitty, dingy place with lockers, not in Wayne Manor. Yeah, yeah you're right. Like, you're yeah, right. I was, I was like, where is this locker room? But yeah. then she goes down to what I assumed was the Batcave, that maybe it's 
the cat cave or the phantasm right. cave. I don't know. <laughs> You're right. That doesn't even really look like the bat cave. It's a bunch of shitty TV monitors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a really true. good point, Django. I think, and again, I think the confusing time jumps there, I do think it's intentional. I think that mm -hmm. what, we, what we got basically is a secret scene and like kind of that is that it lacks context and then something's going to happen. We'll be like, oh my God, this was happening. Like, that's what that moment was. That's what, right. and I, I'm looking forward to that. But it again, I think that it's that begs that question of, you know, is that payoff worth the confusion leading up to it? Oh, yeah. Because, and I, I don't know how to answer that question, but yeah, the beginning of the issue with Phantasm looming over this the city, it shows Phantasm walking into someplace on this sky bridge and it's the world's fair and then she yeah and then she stops in front of that bank of computer monitors and that's where catwoman walks down to so and that woman is sleeping at wherever the location that gotham's world's fair was and i believe that is the joker's place okay because if we uh, think about batman mask of the phantasm which i know is what you're thinking about do you remember the world's <laughs> fair happens in gotham and he goes with andrea and like there's the designs for the batmobile there and as but even as in there when they're talking in this issue they're like talking about cutting hams or something and that's a reference because like the joker's living there at that point and there's like mm -hmm. this animatronic woman that he pretends is like his wife and she's like cutting this baloney mm -hmm. over and over again oh. and it's at the world fair so i bet I don't want it to be true, but I think what they're seeding is this maybe this possibility that Joker and her had a relationship. Um, I think they had a relationship, and ew. I think that the World's Fair stuff is happening after her relationship with Bruce. Interesting. And I might be totally wrong. Or it could be before, but I think that's exactly, we don't know. But you're right. I think that, that you know, that. But and then we kills get these... him and says that it's for what he did to Andrea in, in the first issue or two. Well, because I think what we are yeah. seeing in this one is that the phantasm is talking to her and she's pissed off because the Joker killed his, her son. Um, so I think that's why she's hunting down Joker people. Um, Man. Tom King's Tom King's moving into uh, wow. like Grant Morrison territory with this series for me, like and making I, me work really hard to get it. And well, I, I love this discussion because you saying that has now put redefined this. Andrew texted me. He's like, I think a lot of this is building off of stuff that happened in War of Jokes and Riddles. And that might be true. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I I think that like all these bad guys talking seems kind of like, I, I don't know, just kind of reminiscing about the history of Batman, that Catwoman and Joker have always had this relationship. I hope what we learn is that they didn't have a relationship. But I do think that if they did have a relationship, I could see that being this unforgivable thing to Batman that he's not able to really ever reconcile with her. Mm -hmm. And that could be the thing that ends their relationship. But they're Damn. together when he dies. Yeah, that's true. And this double page spread of her at night in front of the, that looks like almost Adam Hughes style lighting. That's incredible. I, the, the conversation that we had is going to increase it from an eight to an 8.5 for me. My general confusion about it still is going to drop it from an 8.5 to an eight for me. I think the conversation is going to actually knock it up to a nine. I just want to mention. We don't say uh, knock it up. Uh, uh, pump True. it up. Okay. We do say that. <laughs> um, and besides that gothic, beautiful two-page spread there with Batman and Catwoman at the end, my other favorite panel, Clayman has captured like the best big-eyed cat stalking panel I've ever seen in comics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so is. awesome. It's a beautiful cat. <laughs> super, super good. <laughs> Um, Roman, you want to talk a little bit about Department of Truth number seven. You're excited about this one, which makes I me feel am. like there's a gooey coming down the pipe. 
I am excited about this. I mean, I've been liking the series anyway, but this one, uh, and again, surprises us all. It's, it's Jimmy TIV. Um, and the artist on this issue is Tyler Boss. Yeah, he's the one who did um, that book that we all really liked, The do- Dead Dog's Bite. Ah, okay. And he's been doing some big covers. Bank. Yeah, but he's not the regular artist on this series. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first started reading this, I, I, it kind of threw me because I was like, wait, is this the same series? <laughs> Nobody looks the same. <laughs> but this whole issue is a flashback um, telling of Lee Har- Harvey Oswald, uh, who's not the director yet of the Department of Truth, um, meeting this young teenage, or this, well, meeting this scientist dude for the first time. And then they have a flashback within that going to the first time they met, which was in this diner out in the desert or something. And this guy, the scientist guy was not a scientist yet. He was this 15 year old kid lying to everyone, pretending he was older and had, and, and it's just them sitting in the diner and talking about some of the old UFO magazines of the fifties and sixties and what this kid is putting together from those. Um, and putting together about like the men in black government agents, except they're not government agents. They're, he thinks the men in black are really aliens um, trying to keep things under wrap and just their discussion, the, the inset panels, the art, uh, there's some overhead scenes with the spiral and the spirals in his coffee cup, the kid's coffee cup with the UFO diagram and Oswald eating his pie. And it, it's just really amazing. And then we get some scenes that are the kid telling him about some of the stuff he read in some of the magazine. And those three pages are drawn and colored in a style like you might get in some cheaply made old UFO mag from the, from the fifties or sixties. And it's all dramatic. It's, it's all very, very cool. It's pretty wild. And in a totally different way than the other issues have been pretty wild and cool. So seven issues in, I, I'm excited. With the the paperback finally came out. So like this oh. ish, this and something is killing the children. Jimmy TIV is just writing books that speculators are buying up that are going for a ton of money. Um, both of those two series, you know, we can't really read at this point because we don't have the issues until the paperbacks come out. Um, unless we want to get seventh prints or whatever they're up to. But I'm pumped that the Department of Truth paperback is out now and I can finally read it. Yeah. Yeah. And the issues, I mean, strangely enough, but I guess not if we believe the part of the truth is telling us you know this week uh the guy that ran his truck into the fence around the capitol Ooh, building yeah. his ex- one of the things he said was that you know the cia and the fbi were sending signals to his brain and that's one of the things this comic deals with wow that's what they told him to do like drive your I must have a better thing. plan than that. Come yeah, on, I, dude. Yeah, I don't know if he's blaming them for his actions or if he that's all I read was he said that they've been beaming his brain and I wonder if he's knows. confusing episodes of the A team with the government. <laughs> episodes of uh, the Lone Gunman and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, the the, 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 <laughs> the X-Files spin-off. Yeah. <laughs> I love that show. But yeah, this kid in here, this scientist, he uh when he first meets Oswald in the diner and then years later when he's working for the department, he wear he wears one of the tinfoil hats to to block the signals from 
the aliens or from the FBI, you know, <laughs> take your pick. <laughs> Roman, what was your score on this one? I'm just curious because you've you've given some high scores to Department of Truth in the past. And I'm just curious if this is going the direction that I think it's going. Woof. Oh, there's a beautiful colored star. Space woof, woof, dead dog. Um, I don't know what the cover's about. It's got a cow on it in this lady. Tyler Boss on the cover. Um, man, look at that. I, I'm, I'm going to have to do another gooey. Oh, fork. That was gooey. Mm, wow. It's all gooey. over my face. Gooey ducks in black. Gooey ducks in black. That's Gosh. fine, but we can't Next. say the F word, right? flambe yeah you, you've, you absolutely cannot say flambe now Django I feel like you had a similar type of event you wanted to bring to the table for all of our great pappers our fellow yeah. pappies yeah like 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 a little uh a little fanfare a little buckety buck buck shot of the b a shot of the b to the brain a b to b <laughs> b to b contact born to brain contact yeah I, I I just had a couple issues that I read that um I think we should mention this one of them is crossover number five it's the second to last issue in this arc and it just stays awesome. Uh, the, the beginning has an amazing trick for blowing up the, the government station. We get a lot of Valifax and some really good flashbacks with, um, Mike Alred's madman panels, like ripped straight from the comics. It made me want to reread madman from the start, mm. um, which is, probably possible at this point i don't know i haven't haven't looked into the best reading order but i'll bet that all that stuff is reprinted in a good way and we see the little girl's powers and we see some really gross superhero decapitations and just this book is still really good i would encourage anybody who's on the fence or who just wants a, a good superhero smash them up to to read it um i also read nuclear family number two Nuclear family number one got st stuck in that nuclear winter that we had a little while ago. So I think we got number one like a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. And here's number two. This one took a huge turn from number one. Like number one was just like a setup for people living. So like, like people living in the fifties and then the bomb happens and that's it. And this one shows us that some weird time stuff or alternate dimension stuff happened when the bomb dropped and this family that thinks that they're coming out of their shelter a day after the bomb fell um they've, they're actually showing up a lot later than that and people who should recognize them don't the art is super interesting to me i i think i like it a lot it feels posed it feels a little bit traced but there's there's something special about the way that the art works i don't know if you read that one roman but yeah yeah, yeah i did I, I i agree totally yeah yeah the, the main character is just so perfect you know just like a, a dumpy 50s dad yeah <laughs> um i also read cult of dracula from source point press by rich davis and henry martinez the cover's amazing the inside art <clears throat> is pretty rough um pretty pretty rough <laughs> that, uh, right that's why i didn't read it yeah but at, at the same time this artist has a really good handle on posing and timing there's even a, a couple of sequences that made me think a lot of good steve dylan um 
it's the, the the line weights are wrong the expressions are generally not as good as i would like the the coloring is not excellent but the story is interesting and there's something about this art that is way better than than you think i i don't know i might i might be crazy in giving it a, a benefit of the doubt that it doesn't deserve but um yeah in, interesting stuff and then finally, I read uh, by Mark Russell and Steve Pugh, I uh, read Superman versus Imperious Lex. And I was excited. This is this is the third issue. It's one of the last couple of future state books to come out. Um, it's got some great Mark Russell quotes, you know, so rare in life that someone gets both what they want and what they deserve, which is Russellisms. A Russellism. Um, you, you hear that? I, you hear that rustling? Yeah, it's a Russellism. Oh, okay. I thought it was the, my, my girlfriend started the dryer. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> Which is a little bit of a rustling. <laughs> um, my biggest disappointment in this is that, like, spoiler alert, we never see Lex take that mask off his face. Mm. So, like, he's had this plastic mask on. At some point in this issue, he gets a younger-looking plastic mask, which is hilarious. But you never get to see behind it. And, um, you know heavy-handed political conversations in the way that only Mark Russell can make you feel good about. Um, yeah, I, I like that guy a lot. I would give uh, Crossover uh, an eight. I would give Nuclear Family a seven and a half. I would give Cult of Dracula probably a six and a half, but I think that it's better than that. I hope that I turn out to be wrong in the long run. It, it, that one kind of reminded me of the is it the train of love that Garth Ennis wrote like a romantic comedy? On the art Dynamite? was just shit. Yeah. <laughs> but six issues in, you were like, oh no, I really like these characters. And this art is not as bad as I thought it was. It's, I don't know. It, it, it's weird. I, I would give Superman Imperious Lex. Um, I'd give this issue a seven. I'd give the whole thing a seven and a half. Well, before we head into our final book of the Eve, Witch Blood number one from Vault Comics, I decided to do a little something and I don't want to I don't want to encourage anything that's going to become way too much work for me. But did you draw and write a comic yourself? Yep. You need. And I think it's a 10 out of 10, everyone. Um, (laughs) It's called Gooey Duck, the comic. About two weeks ago, Django did something that he does. And I would like to encourage in a marginal fashion. I don't want it to get carried away, which it could happen very easily. But after hanging out with Django today and doing a little comic book uh, shopping, I thought that I would read for the podcast in this week's book, Hellblazer number 63 from 1993, which about two or three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, Django just showed up and was like, oh, this is a good one. You should take this one. And it stayed for like two and a half weeks on the table because I was like, yeah, I don't super want a bunch of random back issues floating around my house. But but also, I do believe that you gave it to me for a reason. So I thought I'm going to read this thing. And you know what, Django, if occasionally we want to have an ongoing thing where you give me a back issue as you come across them and I talk about it on the podcast (laughs) as having read it for the first time, um, I'm not opposed to that. I think it's kind of fun to take an out of time. So Hellblazer number 63 from 1993, cover price $1.75, written by Garth Innes, art by Steve Dillon. 
Mm. And I thought this would be an even better thing to talk about because upon opening it, it's called 40. And it takes place on the 40th birthday of John Constantine's. I wanted to give a very strong, perfectly acceptable podcast happy birthday message because at the time of recording, Saturday night, tomorrow, Sunday, April 4th, is Ryan Russell's birthday, oh. his 40th birthday. And he is an amazing, big-hearted, warm, kind person that we love at our store. And I can't wait to see him on his birthday, and I wish him 40 more good ones, and I'm glad that you get to be celebrating it with John Constantine. So on behalf of the Comics Place, Ryan Russell, we love you, buddy. Happy birthday. Happy early yeah. birthday now. Happy belated birthday by the time you can listen to this. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Happy all the birthdays. <laughs> But this, this is fun. This is fun. I don't know when Preacher started, but this is like a rougher Steve Dillon. This is a yep. this is a less refined Steve Dillon. I don't know if it's the time that went into it or whatnot. This is also a comic book that came out 28 years ago now and would not be allowed to come out now. <laughs> Preacher, and, Preacher was 96, number okay, one. Okay, cool. You can oh. feel about three years of development that took place between this <laughs> and Preacher for Dillon. And this Star. is... This is probably less than two years into the Garth and Steve Dillon relationship. They did some early Hellblazers that weren't as good as this, which isn't as good as Preacher. John Constantine's like, oh man, I'm just ebbing and flowing through life, and God, this is weird, and I'm unhappy. Oh shit, it's my birthday. All right, well, let me call my girl. Oh, my girlfriend is out of town. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> okay, well, I'm gonna call Chaz. Chaz, he's like, dude, I gotta hang out with my wife. I got stuff to do, but we should hang out tomorrow. Like, hit me up tomorrow. And he's like, are you fucking serious? It's my birthday. He's like, yeah, I can't do it. So John's like, oh, fuck, I'm just gonna go to the liquor store and buy a bunch of liquor and just get knocked off my ass drunk <laughs> at my home. And as soon as he gets home, he is greeted by six people, one of which is Zatanna, and I have to just assume seven people, including this very foul rabbit um, <laughs> that is there. Uh, and I have to assume they're all characters from the run. They're all characters from Garth Ennis's run. Yeah. And they all have this really great Garth Ennis script like he writes like a scottish person and he <laughs> every person speaks like a british or scottish person and the, with the accent in vernacular so much fun and they just have this surprise party for him they're like hey man yeah we weren't gonna let you be alone and he just gets to have a party with a bunch of his friends and one of his friends like they're just like pretty drunk at one point and one of his friends is like i have this little tiny weed plant that i've been growing at my house like i could go get it maybe and maybe we could like I don't know, smoke some or something, even though it'll be wet. And they go and get it. And then like out of nowhere, Swamp Thing shows up. And he's like, I got this invitation, dot, 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 to show up, <laughs> dot, 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 here, dot, dot, dot. Because Swamp Thing talks like that. And his buddy's like, John Constantine's buddy who's playing this party is like, yeah, I thought, you know, you guys have been around each other forever. I thought I'd invite you. And Swamp Thing's like, I don't hate you that much <laughs> john's like i'm sorry i'll stop calling on you so often and so things like he actually something grows out of a piece of broccoli that's on a table he just grows out of it <laughs> like out of like, the out of the rabbit's food right yeah exactly yeah, yeah the rabbit who shits all over the floor um <laughs> and swamp thing while he's like as his birthday gift he turns the pot plant that the dude had brought it's like a tiny pot plant into this giant weed plant and then he dries it for them and then they all like spin pages rolling joints together and like smoking weed and john's um, joint is like an arm long yeah and, and, you know like the the time jump instead of being like later it just says monumentally stoned colon and then it you know just goes all the talking and they all have these really good goodbyes 
and John, one of his buddies, he tricks into having a sign on his back that says, all coppers are bastards. And I was like, that's almost 30 years ago. Acab <laughs> was a reference. That's pretty mm-hmm. good. And at the end, whoever this Hercules motherfucking guy is. He's the he's the Lord of the Dance from the Christmas song. Nice. I am the Lord of the Dance. So yeah, that's rad. And then at the end, his girlfriend, Carly, comes home. And the house is just this vomit everywhere and cigarette ashes and alcohol over everything. And she like walks into the bedroom and he's like, I'm 40. I'm an old man. And she's like, rabbit shit. Like she looks down at the ground and there's like a poured over beer can and a pile of rabbit shit. She's like, rabbit shit? Just they would not let anyone casually smoke weed like that in a comic book. Even in the Vertigo, last 20 baby. years. In Vertigo in 93. Um, just... A really good issue. Super fun. Super interesting to see Steve Dillon's artwork so um, early in the career. But then there's these panels where you're like, oh, yeah, that's that. You've got a three-rolled chin there and a facial hair that looks like Steve Dillon's faces. Like the, the weight of the line is perfect. He's still putting in 10% more lines than he has to at that yeah, point. But like, also everything's cleaner, too. Like there's not like mm-hmm. a lot of face line. Like it's just... Oh, flat and detailed. I think that that was the first issue of Hellblazer that I read. It's real and good. It fucking sold me. It fucking sold. It it funkin yeah. sold me. It trucking sold me. Truckin you know, sold sometimes me. why? Um, but yeah, I bet Django will make sure this reader copy of Hellblazer sixty three is on the website um, shortly. And <laughs> if you see it in the next couple of days. And you buy it, it's probably the copy that I had here reading that is sitting on my desk that will go onto the podcast. Uh, so I just, I give it a nine. I didn't know what it was going to be. And it was just a great 40th birthday celebration. And Ryan Russell, happy birthday to you. You great, uh, better than Con- John Constantine, man. I'm so glad you liked it. Oh, and I happy fucking birthday, love it. Ryan. Anytime you give me these old fucking issues, like, I know I'm going to like him if I can find the time to, you know, like yeah. read a thing. But if you if you keep doing your dang Django <laughs> thing and coming across random issues where you're like, Jeff, you should read this one. I'll read it. And we'll talk about it on the podcast and I'll do, you know, Roman's Mary Marvel Minute, Django's Buckshots, cool uncle session, and I'll do a blast from the past. I'm really I'll- excited to find you an issue that I love that you don't understand why. Because yeah. I'm sure they're out there, but so far I feel like I've I've given you a bunch of stuff that I I think has turned out to actually be good, which I haven't expected on any like Lobo and you know we we did that whole episode of of those issues. And well, I you think- know me, I like watching band documentaries about bands I don't like. Like I <laughs> I don't dislike a lot of stuff, and when you yeah. someone you like is like I like this, it's like it's like okay, if I put my Django hat on, I can totally see loving Try this. That. So I think if we all approached art like that, we'd all get along as people a little bit better. Yeah. Um, Witchblood, number one from Vault Comics. Uh, this is written by Matthew Ehrman and Lisa Sterl with colors by Gab Contreras. That's created by, I think Matt wrote it and I think Lisa did the art. Django, I looked into it. There's no tie-in affiliation with this with anything. Yeah, and I was sure that I saw somewhere on like official solicitations this week that it was a tie-in to a big vampire thing, but I I just checked again while we were talking, and and there's nothing. So I must just have lost my mind. No, I I you as soon as we were talking about that in the car today, I was like, yeah, I feel like you're right. I feel like I saw that too. Like apparently these people worked on like a tarot set together. Oh, okay. And maybe that was related to it. But Roman, did you read uh, Wishblood? 
I did. I don't have a copy here in front of me, but yeah, I read it. Technicolor, this occult Technicolor dream code of a comic book. <laughs> yeah, um, and it had to do with some relationships between witches, I think. It was like, I would say, it reminded me very much of like Scott Pilgrim. She's mm -hmm. got this very colorful, okay. poppy, kind of clever, like not on the good guy side of everything, but like likable and the protagonist that you're following and she, like a lot of the art kind of reminded me of it she had this like beautiful blue hair and this crazy funky pop style and um yeah she is this eternal witch that had gotten the, some uh she has the same blood of you know the famous witch that i can't remember the name of but uh you know. marie laveau laveau really no i don't know god <laughs> guys come on yeah i can't remember a voodoo priestess. who it was Somebody else talk while I find. Um, <laughs> I didn't read this comic. You didn't read this? <laughs> no, I've, I've been trying to get to it all week. And then I read that thing that I didn't apparently actually fucking read. And I put the clutch in because I didn't care about reading a, a thing about Vampire the Masquerade. But it turns out that is just my brain breaking. Yeah, and I started to read it, but then realized it wasn't the return of Witchblade. So then I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> That was some dry shit, Roman. I like it. <laughs> um, yeah, I forget it. Like Morgan Le Fay, but not Morgan Le Fay. You know, something like that. Like a crazy old witch whose their blood is sort of running through this girl's. Okay, well, I'm I'm the one who read this book. Sorry, I thought this was one that we all read because it was kind of, kind no, of a no. bigger release. I did, I, I did actually read it. Oh, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> I guess what I would say is I ended up liking it um, quite, I mean... Not quite a bit. I liked it a, a pretty good amount. I just thought that the main protagonist, she was like really likable. And I think when it, you get this art style that is a kind of all ages art style, but the writing is more adult. Um, I think sometimes like it's even like a little bit like Proctor Valley Road from a couple of weeks ago, but I liked mm -hmm. this one a lot more. Like I just liked the people more. She charmed me the whole way through like a couple pages and i was like damn it i think you're charming like you're funny you're rude but your facial expressions are funny and your re reactions are funny and you got these like great western cowboys that show up they're like pretty brutal but all the while you've got these like beautiful teals and purples and yellows coming through and like her like body language throughout it i think is like just like really funny it reminds me of like anime sort of these like weird mm, yeah. bowing <laughs> gestures like just over the top and yeah it's like kind of hard-boiled but then really over the top and cutesy yeah that's interesting hearing that because i i really found her charming and i liked her but and even though i like the art and i like the coloring i realized that like like i like proc of the valley road more mm -hmm. uh, because and i realized with this issue of witchblood that sometimes the that all ages art and everything for me it's it can be a little distracting and it it means like in a supernatural story because the art is so welcoming to all ages it takes it takes away any threat for me because i'm like this is too cartoony mm. i don't feel any threat here any any supernatural threat even though that's what it's about and and i think that that's a really good point and even like the cartoony like everything is not joyful to look at but like gratifying to look at but like yeah. early on here there's a pretty important part where she's on a motorcycle and she gets run off the road by this car and it thrashes her bike 
and like in terms of what happened on that page it was very confusing like the mm -hmm. art looked yeah. good but it didn't necessarily explain to me what happened as well and i think that's like a really great com comic booking storytelling is, is a marriage of gratifying to look at and if effective at explaining things while just being pictures and this kind of lacked that a little bit i and, and i agree with you what you're saying there roman and it's like it's all ages art but it's definitely swearing and it's not an all ages book um that i i'm I've been flipping through it today and the all the f-bombs in here don't match the art for me enough <laughs> that it's it's a little it's a little off-putting yeah i in this but for me in the same way that scott pilgrim is off-putting I, mm -hmm. I i felt like that was a book that little kids would read but it's not a little kid book at all <laughs> um and so it, it falls into that category of like a weird kind of it looks cute but it's not and i never finished scott pilgrim i like i like its aesthetic i like this one's aesthetic um i think it's a good book if you like a lot of boom books and like vault books that are this sort of like uh very friendly art style but also kind of have a darker tone to them which i do think is a kind of a vault thing you know it's, it's pretty common at this one i think this one does hit those pretty well but but I, I don't at all disagree with what you said, Roman. I think that's, you know, I I liked it. I, I found myself smitten with the character by the end. Um, and I was like, I'd, I'd follow you doing some stuff. I, I, I'll i read issue two, which is, I read a lot of issue ones that I don't end up wanting to read issue twos of um, doing the podcast. And and I that one got me number two. Django, I yeah. thought that you had read that one. I'm sorry. I didn't want to end on a book that was uh, just a, mostly me yelling into the void. It's fine. Uh, Esmeralda. Thank you. Is that the main character? That's whose blood she has. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Is that a reference like Esmeralda with like Quasimodo and stuff? I don't know. Didn't read this comic. <laughs> I don't know. Is I don't know a famous Esmeralda? Is the Gypsy yeah. Esmeralda? Yeah, I think that's the name of uh, Quasimodo's love. Yeah. Anyway, I would give it an eight, seven point five, eight. I think it's a good, good comic. Pretty looking that's comic good. book. I, I like the way yeah. it looks too. Yeah. Yellow, oh, I, pink, and teal are a real sell for me. Yeah, they're real. They're they're real pleasing colors. I'd definitely give it a seven. I mean, I could tell how this character is. is she's a likable character. She's uh, going to be popular if if the book reaches people. I can tell which one of you is a YPT person. YPT. I don't know what Yellow, that means. Pink, teal. Um, I also love purple. So uh, you Yellow, can put purple, that in there. Too. Hey, YPPT. A real. Django, you're always talking about your pee pee, bud. Pee pee. What I want to mention before we get out of here is that uh, a couple weeks ago, we, you know, before we, we had a we had an email, we had an email invitation, um, and Dino read his response on to he sent it to Andrew, who read it on the last episode of the podcast mm -hmm. that we weren't on. Um, so I won't respond to that email, but it was a haiku invitation for the best books on our shelves. And I, uh, Dino sent a great one and Will sent a great one also. So I just want to mention this one to get it out there in response to Andrew's haiku based favorite trade on your shelf question. I've prepared a double haiku for you. Oh, a haiku so, too. so <laughs> haiku sessions, we all take a, a, a breath in through our nose and then we breathe out our mouth <clears> and we have a moment of silence before the haiku expresses because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a seven, nine, seven. Are we saying, are we making up haikus on the spot? Is that what you're doing? No, I'm going to read this one that I got, but we're going to sort of create a, a, an island of peace before I do it. So we're going <sighs> to. I'm ready. Bring it, sucks it on. Stuck, sucks being stuck in an elevator with Django. If you've ever been <laughs> stuck in an elevator with Django. 
Um, Hi, Kumi, buddy. <laughs> Hi, get get that fuck in my truck, you. I'm my coo. Perhaps Thanos wins. Day Tripper is perfection. Could it be Vision? Now I like that one because it poses a lot of questions, and it's three, two of its three lines pose a question. So one more time, perhaps Thanos wins. Day Tripper is perfection. Could it be Vision? That's the first one. Great one, Will. Second, sequel. Mister Miracle. Exclamation mark. Mr. Miracle. <laughs> Scott Free can't escape my heart. Vegetable tray. It's great. <laughs> it's good stuff. It's good stuff. So thank you for that one, uh, Dino and Will, for writing in. Um, yeah, we did it. We made it to the end of my precious angel boys. Yeah. That's what we are. So glad to see you guys on Zoom again. I'm so um, glad to have you back on this Zoom. Not that I, I mean, you know. Is there any business that we need to take care of, you precious oh, angel man. cherubs? Well, I hope everybody's watching those shows, uh, Winter Soldier and Falcon. Yeah, Andrew and Roman did an awesome discussion about That's right. la the first two episodes on last week's episode. Did you all watch episode three yet? Yep. I've fallen asleep watching it twice. We saw Zemo <laughs> in the hood. And I don't yes. know how they managed to take like a ski hood like that and also make it seem like it's like thick Batman mask plastic. You know, like yeah, it's molded. It awesome Kevlar rubber thing. Yeah. But I, I he looks great. Roman, yeah. I was just so I almost texted you guys because I was just so excited to when Zemo they bust him out and first time we see him and he's got the coat on with the with the white fuzzy collar. The polka dot collar. <laughs> I love it. I would like I, oh, to send out a, a question to Dino Chibino. right now. Uh, this is this is the easiest way for us to talk directly into Dino's ears. Mean Green mouths. Dean Chapin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I want to know his first thought when they said they were going to Madripoor. It's, it's Wolverine. A Wolverine fan. I was yeah. I was sitting on a couch. My kind of my big social outing of the of the week is. I, I, I watched that show with Jake and Sean and Jake yeah. went, where is Madripoor? What's Madripoor? I was like, it's like an East Asian place. Like Wolverine goes there all the time. Um, but it's a, yeah. it's a question. So yeah. is this, so is this how they're going to reintroduce the X-Men to whatever the heck bringing things back together again, Marvel wise, if, if they reintroduce the X-Men on a movie that they stretched out into a TV show, because a pandemic fucked up their plans, I'm going to be very disappointed. In my yeah, life. and I don't mean necessarily on this series, but this is their road in, it's a, it's in a the good future. Gateway. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got excited that they were going to do it with WandaVision, and now I'm just like, they're not going to do it. So yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll probably make a big dumb deal out of it. They'll make a big dumb <laughs> deal out of it. Yeah. Okay, not to stretch this episode out, yeah. but are you guys watching that other show that came out recently called Invincible? Yeah. Nope. I don't like cartoons and I fucking love it. It is freaking so love this one. Fucking good. Yeah. Roman, it's on Amazon Prime streaming video. It's free if you've got Amazon Prime. And if you don't have it, we have it. You can have oh, Amazon I Prime. Password. I think, yeah, I think I've got somewhere. Yeah, it's it is so awesome. That yeah. is my favorite superhero television show that's come out. I mean, WandaVision is great in a respectable way. Falcon and Winter Soldier is cool. Invincible is just like my hero academia times 10 it's so gratifying and fun to watch i mean i love that comic you know i that's Rome, andrew was on a couple of weeks ago and i you know he talked about that my book of the year that year was invincible mm -hmm. so I, I love that story 
That's really good to hear because um, as much as I love the Invincible show, I don't want to watch something that's a tenth as good. So I'll steer clear of My Hero Academia. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. I guess that's how I do feel about My Hero Academia. <laughs> it's not an anime I like that much, but I like anime a lot. I don't like animation, and and this this one is blowing me away. The first episode was fine, but except for much, the last five minutes, were awesome. Yeah, much like the Scott Snyder or Zack Snyder uh, director's cut of Justice League, after the credits roll, you get the best, most interesting part of the movie, which was in in Zack Snyder's case. 25 minutes of dream sequence with the Joker and worth worth the three and a half hours you had to watch to get to it. Mm. Wow. Mm. I haven't seen, I don't have HBO max, so I haven't seen any of, I haven't seen justice league or Godzilla versus Kong, any of that yet. Me neither. Mm. Me neither, but invincible huge recommendation and winter soldier uh, Falcon also a recommendation much much better than i thought it was going to be not You're i don't know that i would that already come i don't on, know that i would watch it. that one like alone but having a social group to enjoy watching it with makes it a lot more fun yeah so on that note if you want to get a hold of us you can drop an email at jeff at the write something about papcast in the subject line i'd love to get it we'll read it on here getting some occasional emails here i want more of them i want to hear more stuff from more people andrew i adore you buddy you did such a fantastic job Amazing. last week um it, yeah it that's You've been on the pot. Even you, audio quality was great. You did good, bud. You did good. I'm proud of you, and I'm grateful to you as well. Um, that you demonstrated a level of comfort that was uh, several several episodes beyond what it should have been. So well done. Um, you shouldn't be that comfortable running a podcast for ten or fifteen episodes or six beers. You know, one one of the two of those. Uh, <laughs> but I'm proud of you. I'm grateful to you, Roman. You're my stalwart as always. Um, if you like this podcast, write a review, like it. I don't know. If you're here at this point, you haven't done that. You're dead to me. But if you like this podcast, <laughs> smell it. If you like smell this podcast, it. make sure you smell it. Smell it. Um, well, before we get out of here, I'm Jeff. I'm Roman. I'm Django. And I, I was wondering. What's on your mind, bud? I was wondering. What were you wondering? If you were buried alive hmm. and you had a flashlight with infinite batteries, hmm. What comics would you bring with you in your coffin? Okay, wait, l limit me. Like, how many comics can There's I no fit limit. in my coffin? I, like, I don't know. <laughs> that, like, every extra comic you add is going to no. reduce your quality Django, of life while listen, you die. Is now the bit that, like, you ask a good question and I tell you why it's not a good enough question? <laughs> Django, no, no, you got to put bit some restrictions. You ask a better question, mother trucker. <laughs> oh, man. Um, if you were buried alive and you had a flashlight that could allow you to read comic books in your casket alive and you were limited to two, Ugh. what would those ah. two be? Oh Why God. aren't you just on a gosh darn desert island <laughs> instead of buried alive, Figly? Well, wait, I mean, I guess the, the uh, that one begs how, what is the upper limit of what a com or coffin can fill? You don't even. Yeah, that that was my question. Your 13 question copies, 13 copies of From Hell then. Put them on a desert island. They don't even need a gosh darn flashlight. My answer would be from hell, so I would finally and, read and it. Then, and then the trick next week will reveal is, yeah, but you don't have enough you don't have enough uh, space to actually hold the comic up where you can mm. read it. Oh. You, need, you need the, the one-inch punch. One also, R.I.P. Larry McMurtry. R.I.P. Larry McMurtry tonight. Oh. Uh, God, what a loss. Um, That's... Yeah, there's. I, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the father of the Lonesome one Dove. Lonesome Dove. All four um, VHS tapes. Oof. 
it's it's an impactful thing and uh that that guy i don't get super bummed about a lot of celebrity deaths but he died this week and that's that's a loss that bums me out that was a vhs box set that we had at my house because it was a long thing four episodes four four hour and a half or so episodes mike watney and i watched that and then we drank a whole bunch of maker's mark the end and don't listen to the next episode until you've done that exact same thing uh everyone said their goodbyes so on behalf of Django and roman and jeff i'm jeff i said that we'll see you all next week for 221 221 221